Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. Welcome to R slash malicious compliance, where OP gets his stupid controlling boss fired. Our next Reddit post is from Irritating Farquhar. I worked for a water company for 25 years, and I was on one of their most productive repair crews. That is, until the new manager, Mr. Numbnut, started. We had a monthly rotation where you're on call for one week in four for emergency repairs that were out of hours. On the day in question, I started work at 7.30am on Friday and finished work at 3.15am Saturday, so it was a pretty long shift. I get to work Tuesday morning and get called into the office by Mr. Numbnuts and informed that according to my vehicle's tracker, I'd left the yard at 3.12am, not 3.15am, which, according to him, was my attempt to defraud the company. As you can imagine, I was absolutely fuming at this level of BS. I told him that, at the time, I was covered in mud and sweat and just wanted to get home after completing a monster shift for the company. And was he genuinely causing a fuss over three minutes? He said that he was making me aware that I could be fired for it. Cue malicious compliance. I said, if we're going to be this petty, then you can take me off the emergency contact list for extra coverage, and I won't be starting 20 minutes early each day either. I'll now be clocking in at exactly 7.30 a.m., and I'll be hitting out at exactly 5.30 p.m. No deviation whatsoever, and you can explain to your bosses why productivity is down and you're struggling to get coverage for emergencies. Then we'll see how important your three minutes are when they're costing the company money. I didn't realize it at the time, but this guy's job was bonus related and it was linked to our productivity, which tanked after that because all the other people on my team followed my lead. Except for the brown nosers, obviously. Three weeks go by with an absolute mess in customer service complaints about their work not being carried out in a timely manner. My productivity dropped from seven jobs per day down to four. Mr. Numbnuts gets called in by his bosses to try to explain what was going on. He tried to spin some BS story that I turned all the guys against him for no reason and that this was the result. Little did he know that I had actually trained his boss when he first started the company 15 years ago. Because my boss's boss had actually wanted to work the field and experience how hard the job is. He surprised me by working a full month on the repair crews before going back to the office. Anyhow, my boss's boss calls me in to find out what's really going on. 
So I explained that my boss used the tracker to monitor what time I'd left the yard, and that I'd overestimated by three minutes because I was absolutely exhausted after working a super long call. As a result, our manager was let go for misuse of the tracking system because it's only supposed to be used for emergencies. The big bosses also reviewed our on-call system so that workers like me didn't have to work such long, grueling shifts. Our next Reddit post is from Sufficient Forever. About 10 or so years ago, I went to a concert an hour away from me in Indianapolis. I decided to make a day of it, going to several museums and spots around the city. Each time, I paid for parking in a garage for about two hours or so, then just meandered the area. Finally, I went to park in the venue and then paid for parking up until the time that parking rolled over to being free. In total, I probably paid 40 to 50 bucks for parking spaces throughout the day. I enjoyed the concert, but I came back to a parking ticket on my car. I think, this is odd, but I'm tired and chalk it up to a mistake. I decide to take photos of my parking spot and all the signs and head home for the evening, figuring I would sort it out in the morning. The next morning, I reviewed the ticket, the photos of my spot, and my parking receipts. The ticket didn't line up to the spot my car was located in, and my receipt shows that I had valid parking at the time of the ticket. So I submit an appeal thinking this will be easy, because it's obvious that some kind of mistake was made. The appeal was denied! The ticket was for a spot that had not been paid for, so the ticket stood. I called the office, and the lady said they didn't make a mistake. I pointed out that my receipt says that I paid for parking space 100, but the ticket was for parking space 101. I asked her about the photo proof that my car was actually in 101, when I knew that it was in spot 100. She said, well, you could have moved your car. I pointed out that in the photos I took, there were clearly cars in parking spaces 101 and 99. Also, the entire street was full because of the concert. Honestly, I don't think the lady even bothered to look at the photo I sent them. Even had that not been the case, I had proof that my license plate had a paid parking spot. But still, no dice. I'm feeling petty over this $25 parking ticket at this point. So I called Visa and asked if I could retract the amount that I paid for the time that I'd parked there since it didn't count apparently. I submitted all the evidence and documentation to Visa. Visa, and what was the greatest thing Visa has ever done in my opinion, agreed that if my parking receipt and transaction number wasn't proof that I had paid for parking, then clearly I'd paid for a service that I didn't receive. Not only did they refund that parking space, but they refunded all the parking spaces that I paid for in that city throughout the day, which, as I want to remind you, was like 40 to 50 bucks. They then filed a formal complaint on my behalf with a letter explaining why they were refunding me. It wouldn't have been nearly as satisfying if I hadn't spent the entire day playing tourist in the city and racking up a large parking bill all with the same vendor. Also, OP, I don't know why this is the case, but apparently companies hate, hate, hate getting chargebacks. I actually had to charge back a company this past month because I paid them for a service and a week went by, they didn't deliver. Two weeks went by, they didn't deliver. A month went by, they didn't deliver. So eventually I'm like, hey, you guys got to refund me because you're not delivering. And they just kind of ghosted me. So I went to my credit card company, told them to do a chargeback, and the very next day, oh, Mr. Customer, I'm so sorry that I haven't gotten around to your email. I'll process your refund immediately, sir. I'm so sorry for this mistake. So I don't know why chargebacks sting so badly, but if you ever want to get back at a company, a chargeback is a great way to do it. If anyone has some insight as to why chargebacks are such a big deal for companies, let me hear from you down in the comments. 
Our next Reddit post is from Troikos. I work as a flight attendant. I've been doing this for over 10 years. Any issues that crop up during my workday, I'll bend over backwards to accommodate people, if I can. However, unfortunately, there are a handful of people that are dishonest to try to get what they want. They fake injuries to try to get upgraded, fake birthdays, you name it, and people have tried it, believe me. I've had loads of scenarios where people try to cheat the system because it makes them feel special or they've one-upped me, I guess. Let me tell you about this fake vegetarian I had on board. He was flying coach in the second from the last row. He wanted the pasta. I apologized and told him that due to popular demand, we ran out of pasta in the middle of the cabin, but we did have a chicken option instead if he wanted that. Without skipping a beat, he said, I'm vegetarian. Last time, they brought me a meal from business class, so I'll just wait for that. Now, this is something that I would have offered anyway as a nicety, as I'm not too much of a dick, and I genuinely like helping people out if I can. After all, it's a 747, not a 711, as the saying goes. Anyway, the way he just expected it right off the bat, before I could even offer a solution, left a slightly bad taste in my mouth. Also, I smelled a rat. I was 99% sure that I had cleaned up an empty packet of smoky bacon chips from him earlier on, and no, they were not a vegetarian brand. I was certain that he was just being picky and he wanted a higher quality meal. I said, it's unfortunate that you didn't pre-order a vegetarian meal. I'll see what I can do for you though. Just give me five minutes to finish up here. Anyway, I went up to business class and they had also run out of vegetarian options. So I went up to first class and asked if they could spare anything. We ended up putting together a few lettuce leaves with a bit of dressing. Then I thought, I could probably have some fun with this fake vegetarian. Cue malicious compliance. I brought the meal back to him on a silver tray, and I held it up above his eyeline so he couldn't see what it was. I explained that, unfortunately, the vegetarian business class option had run out. Then he started to cut me off so that he could complain, but I held up my hand and said, However, I managed to go one step further and got the last vegetarian meal from first class. Then I pulled the linen cloth off the top of the tray as I placed the salad down in front of him. It was a very basic large salad, and his face said it all. His face went from a smug, Haha, I worked the system, to what the F is that within two-thirds of a second. He then said, I wanted something hot. I'll just have the chicken then. I put on a shocked face and said, I can't give you that, sir. I would feel awful. He responded with, Don't worry about it. It's fine. I gave him an, Are you sure you're vegetarian look? And brought back the chicken. Which, by that point, had been sat drying up in the oven a little bit longer. So, bon appetit. Our next Reddit post is from G. I work for a medium-sized development company in a mid-sized city. The company has about 10 employees, and we collectively manage a little under $50 million worth of residential and commercial real estate. We are definitely understaffed. The person who owns the company has a temper, and as employees, a lot of what we do is manage the information she knows about the company to keep her temper in check. Our longest-term employee is our amazing head of facilities who's been with the company for about eight years, and he knows and does everything. Without him, we would be in big trouble because he is really good at his job. He can't even really take a day off without receiving at least a few phone calls from staff. Even on his sick days, we just need him that badly. And since he's a great human, he's always there for us. Well, because he's still a human, he made a pretty big mistake on Friday. 
It really wasn't a huge deal and that it didn't cost our company any money, we apologized, and everything was basically fine. However, the owner accidentally saw an email about it on someone else's computer and she lost her mind. As a result, she gave her star employee a one-week suspension. But considering that he's accumulated weeks worth of paid time off and even the woman who does HR and payroll thinks the suspension is unjust, he'll still be paid. And without him, we are completely falling apart. I finally broke down and texted him for help, and he said, Sorry, I'm suspended. Can't help, lol. Earlier, when the owner couldn't find something, she was asking where that employee was. Things are already falling apart, and we're only one day in. The employee in me is panicking, and the human in me is rubbing hands together in glee. Our next Reddit post is from Divine Printer God. Back in the days before iPhones, I worked in IT at a local council. There were 12 members on our team, seven of whom drank hot drinks during the day, like tea or coffee. We had a kettle and a small fridge that we all paid for in the corner of the office. We would all take turns making tea or coffee for the team. The system worked perfectly, until health and safety came in and said that we can't have electrical appliances in the office because they need to be tested. We got them tested, and they passed. Health and safety came back and said the kettle was too dangerous because it was tall and thin and it could tip over. So we replaced the kettle with a wide bottom kettle that wasn't as easy to tip over. Health and safety came back again and said that having a hot water source that close to staff could burn them. The kettle had to be removed within one week. We replied that no one had gotten burned since we got the kettle and the nearest kitchen with hot water was two floors up and on the other side of the building and that used a water boiler. Using that kitchen to make the drinks would take extra time, and then we'd have to carry the hot drinks down the stairs where accidents could easily happen. Health and safety said that it was their way or not at all. We relented and the kettle disappeared. My boss said that it was only a matter of time until someone trips or slips on the stairs carrying a tray of hot drinks. Three days after we lost the kettle, the new girl slipped on the stairs and damaged one of the lights with her tea. Health and safety had to fill out a seven-page report, and the light had to be replaced at a cost of 150 pounds. On day nine, another team member slipped on wet stairs, and his hot tea burned the person coming up the stairs. The person who got burned got a two-week vacation, and health and safety had to fill in a different 12-page report. On day 22, I slipped on wet stairs with a full tray of drinks. I got second-degree burns to my chest and arms. They let me take off work for two days with full pay, and they had to fill out another 12-page report. On day 23, our kettle was returned. OP, I consider myself a pretty avid drinker. I have a cup of Chinese-style tea every single morning, but man, you Brits take it to another level. If I had to risk second-degree burns that took two weeks to heal every single morning, I think I might just go for water instead. Our next Reddit post is from Hate This Tradition. I'm a 28-year-old woman, and I dislike cooking. Don't get me wrong, I cook for survival, but it's not something I like or enjoy. As for my in-laws, both my mother-in-law and sister-in-law are stay-at-home partners, and they love to cook. Neither of their husbands lift a finger to help, and they like it that way. Before marriage, I was treated as a guest. But ever since I got married six months ago, they expect, want, and demand that I cook with them. The first few times I went along with it, but I hated it. It took five to seven hours to make food and do dishes. So when they planned to get together last weekend and discuss the menu, I suggested ordering in. 
That way, everyone can be more relaxed. They look like I had insulted them. I told them they can cook, but to give me a list of what I should make and I'll just buy it instead. They said, that's not how traditions work, and if you hate it so much, then you can relax with the men. And that's exactly what I did, much to their anger. I helped to set the table and to serve, but that was it. As we were eating, my husband commented how good something tasted. My mother-in-law immediately went on about how I wouldn't be cooking anything for him. When my husband said that he can cook for himself, my sister-in-law chimed in with how her husband or dad never had to cook a day in their life. How marrying lazy women like me has ruined his manhood. I looked at my husband and we both left. My mother-in-law and sister-in-law are blasting our phones over my arrogance and calling him spineless. Even my mom is taking their side now, but guess who doesn't care? That was our slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.